So in this fourth session of six on reverse addiction, we're going to look at this really important question. Why then, if all this is true, what you've said, why are we not all reverse addicts all our lives? What happens to some people to shift them out of this reverse addict position? Well, in order to do that, we're in this session, we're going to look at the addict brain and how it differs in some ways from the normal brain. What happens when we reach early teenage years and we see addicts flip from reverse addiction into the addict place? In other words, what I call the self-centered escape. We're also going to look at the three positions that we see in addict relationships. First of all, the perfect position of, 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 of nice balance and then the two extreme overbalanced positions, firstly towards selfishness and secondly towards selflessness. Uh, in other words, addiction and reverse addiction. So here's session four. So next question. If that's all true, then why aren't we all reverse addicts and why don't we all uh, stay that way? Well, that's a very good question. And there's a very good reason, actually, why some of us refuse to stay in this position. I mean, let's face it, it's not a pleasant position to be in. Um, uh, you know, and the only reason, certainly my understanding, is the only reason people actually stay in it is because, first of all, they don't recognise it, they see it as normal. Or secondly, they've really got, feel like they've got no choice. You know, and that, that can go on for years. You know, they'll see people as needing them and so therefore they need to be sacrificial. But really, the, the main reason why people don't stay in this position is because of the type of brain that they have. Now, some of us have this type of brain where we have a weakness for alcohol or other mood or state changing drugs. Uh, or we have more of a what they call an addictive personality where we can you know we can become a gambler or a sex addict or a, a workaholic or some kind of behavioral addiction now if we have this vulnerability then the effect of taking uh, drugs or whatever our drug of choice is it actually brings on a sense of complete freedom from this overblown this inappropriate weight of responsibility of caring for others. It may in some cases be the first time we felt any sense of freedom or unburdening uh, and realised the amount of pressure, the amount of anxiety that we're in. I know for myself, and I'm sure I can speak for just about every addict on this subject, I took uh, my first alcoholic drink very early in life, but my first experience of really going out there and actually having freedom to drink, which was, I think I was around about 15. And we got into a pub um, in England. Um, you know, there's a, there's a law of 18, but you can get in early usually. And at 15, uh, several of us got into this pub and had several drinks. Now, at this stage, of course, as a 15-year-old, I'm not ready for alcohol. Uh, and I got very drunk. Uh, but the first thing that I remember feeling was this incredible sense of freedom. Just this lifting of the responsibility, the burden, just the feeling was amazing. Addicts have called it, you know, all the lights come on or it ch everything changes to colour or, you know, it's like you suddenly 
have this sense of what life is really all about. And you just want more and more and more of it. Now, the point is not everybody gets that, right? Maybe everybody experiments a little bit, but to have this completely miraculous transforming effect is not something everybody feels. So it, it feels to me and to people like me like a perfect solution to this burden of worrying about everybody else or the whole family or whatever. And we find that uh, we've effectively swapped this concern for everybody to uh, or for a concern just about ourselves. Now, isn't that great? You know, it just seems uh, perfect. <laughs> uh, the problems come later, of course. Now, of course, this tends to happen. It happened to me at 15. It tends to happen somewhere around 12 or 15. And the reason is because we're no longer little kids. We grow up a bit, right? So we get a broader view. Maybe we've started going to our friends' houses. We see that it's not the same atmosphere there. We see that they do things very differently. We see that something goes wrong and maybe the parent doesn't shout. I don't know, that we see difference. And as a result, uh, somewhere around about 12 to 15, we start to become motivated to change things. We start to complain. We stop seeing it all as our problem. It's, it's the normalization gets washed away a little bit. We start to see our family as different. And obviously uh, we discover alcohol and drugs at this period. And so everything fits together. We want an escape and we get an escape. So depending on the type of brain you have, uh, this will obviously help you to experience this unburdening in the same way that it did for me. In other words, you'll start to feel more normal now with your freedom. But of course, for someone who's been through this, it can feel miraculous uh, since really, I'll, I'll, you know, certainly for myself, I had no other way of achieving this so-called normal state. So at this point, uh, the addict has basically escaped into selfishness. And I want you to just, just meditate on that term for a little bit, particularly if you've flipped into the addict state. Think about escaping into selfishness. And this is the point about the idea that we all start as reverse addicts. When you become an addict, you're escaping reverse addiction. So you've found a way to unburden yourself. You've flipped. And of course, there is... Um, all kinds of fringe benefits to the flipping that we've talked about, such as removal of the anxiety that goes with the position of reverse addict, the feeling that you're special and different will often develop at this time. It's, it's part of the, uh, the overblown ego and a, a way of confirming this escape uh, of curing it for everyone else. You need to care for yourself because you're so special and different. And at this time, there's often some kind of promise to yourself that you'll never return to this pitiful, pitiful state of anxious worry now that you've got your perfect solution. You've effectively swapped a world of concern for everyone else into a world of concern for yourself. And this is much, much simpler. So what we've talked about here is the idea of addiction and reverse addiction as potentials, not illnesses, not a disease but rather a potential that you can shift towards like a needle in a gauge uh, shifts from one extreme to another. So 
what is the advantage of working this way, of seeing ourselves this way? Well, one of the main advantages is that we're liberated from these constraints that the medical model brings. So if we approach the addiction issue from a medical perspective, we, we've been diagnosed. And as a result, we're labelled, and as a result, we're fixed. And from that position, it doesn't make sense to think of someone as flipping from one condition to another. You know, after all, you've got your diagnosis. Now, we've got all the symptoms. It makes perfect sense. Of course it does. And of course, I've never argued that these things don't exist or that they, they're not valid. I'm simply saying that it can be more useful to think of these things as potentials rather than illnesses. Now, it's a different perspective and it allows for the relational idea of flipping. You know, who you're with is how you are. So uh, the three positions of uh, the flipping are, if we consider a sort of a needle on a gauge, we would say that if the needle's pointing straight upwards, that is a perfectly balanced position. And what we mean by balanced is that you are perfectly able to choose between self-care and care for others depending on the situation. You have potential for both and you are perfectly balanced. This is the healthy position. But there are two extreme positions on either side of that. And the first one is the one that we all recognise, which is the addiction position. This is the care for self. You've overbalanced way over to caring for yourself and not caring for anyone else. This is the narcissistic position, the addiction. On the other extreme is where we place reverse addiction. This is where you're way overbalanced towards care for others. And you don't think about yourself enough. If you think about the gauge and the needle having um, those three potential positions, then you start to understand this approach. So let's just give you the, the definition of those, those two extreme positions. The extreme selfish position or the addict is basically driven by the idea or the philosophy that says everything will work out in my life if I get what I want. If I get what I want. Now, the reverse addiction position, that extreme, is really driven by the idea or the philosophy that everything will work out in life if everybody else gets what they want. Look at the mirrored or reversed position there. That's it in its most basic form. 